Hey, I'm Jana, the little sister. And I'm Jeff, her big brother. Welcome to Sibling Rivalry, a podcast about our favorite sport, baseball. This week on Sibling Rivalry Baseball, I'm seeing blue, Roger blue, and Jeff is seeing red. <sighs> I'm going to invite Mike Trout over to watch the playoffs again. Maybe he can help me with the SRBB headlines. The Kansas Comet, Gail Sayers, passed away at the age of 77 after a battle with dementia. He was one of the most electrifying running backs and kick returners in NFL history. He was the youngest player inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. His legacy also includes his close relationship with teammate Brian Piccolo. Their friendship was documented in the Emmy-winning movie, Brian's Song. Pac-12 football will begin on November 6th. The decision uh, voted on by the Pac-12 CEO group. The move comes after the Big Ten announced it will begin playing in late October. Five NFL teams and their coaches face over $1 million in fines. The New Orleans Saints, Las Vegas Raiders, Seattle Seahawks, Denver Broncos, and San Francisco 49ers all face $250,000 fines because their head coaches either did not wear a mask or wore it improperly. Each head coach also will be fined $100,000. And the MLB 2021 draft will be held during All-Star Week in Atlanta. This is the first time the draft will be held in July. It will consist of 20 rounds over three days. You can find these and past week's headlines on our website, SiblingRivalryBB.com. Remember to rate and subscribe wherever you listen. And tell a friend to listen to the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. All right, that's it. It's over. A whole season of baseball, albeit only 60 games. And I know some people said it was for a sprint. A couple of teams, like the Dodgers and the Rays, made it look like it was just a stroll in the park. And we know it's going to be different because the playoffs are different, but like the whole environment is different. You've got bubbles coming up. The NBA finals are just now starting. So you got that going on. Normally, at this time of year, you, you have early football, baseball playoffs starting. And then the Lakers or the Heat are getting ready to begin their title defense from last season, but they don't start their actual season until the end of October. Hockey, the same, the Tampa Bay Lightning would be preparing to defend their Stanley Cup championship, and the Dallas Stars would be looking to get revenge for losing in the Stanley Cup championship. And I would be most every Sunday watching Red Zone so I could see my two favorite teams. So it's going to be a crazy October, not only with those other sports, with, with the NBA finals going on, with the NFL, one of the greatest times in the baseball season. And it'll just be, it's going to be exciting, but it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. It's going to be nonstop baseball. The playoffs start. It is going to be a game at 10, a game at 12 or one, and then three, four. I mean, it's, it's like clockwork. It's a lot of baseball compacted into several days. And the first series is the wild card series. Now we've had the wild card before, but it's always just been those two teams. This time it's eight teams. They're all in the wild card, and it's a three-game series, which for some teams will be okay. For others, it might not bode as well. Well, you figure the three games are all in one park. There's no travel as far as that goes. You know, two games in one, 
one game in another park. Now, there is a chance to have a couple of extra days off because the next rounds don't start till the 5th and 6th of October, the AL on the 5th, the NL on the 6th. So if you come out, especially if you're, because the American League starts first, if they come out and just bam, bam, get the first two out of the way, there are no games scheduled for the weekend. So that gives them time to collect up their things and leave because nobody will be playing at home for the playoffs after this first round. They'll be heading either to L.A., San Diego, Arlington, or Houston to continue on with the playoffs. The American League, obviously, to the West Coast nationally. And if you're the Dodgers, it works out real well because if they do what many of the experts say, they'll be in Arlington for the rest of the month after if they take the first two games, go to Arlington, get settled in. They'll be there until the end of the World Series if it all works out for them that way. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting playoff scenario, what the strategies are, how managers utilize their bullpen, how managers utilize their benches, uh, who plays, when do they play. Uh, There's a lot of of things up in the air. And I think with some of these teams, I think it's kind of straightforward. I look at, like, are your first uh, Tampa Bay and the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays, I think they're going to go full force. They're number eight. They're the number eight seed. And they've got young guys, Vladdy Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Biggio. I think the one guy, that which and they're all like 22, 23. The thing about Buffalo is how's their pitching going to handle those three days against Tampa Bay? And will Tampa Bay come in with their pitching and who are they going to start? Is it going to be Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, Tyler Glasnow? Who is it going to be? And going into how quickly, if they get through their three-game series, like you were saying, then that also, that's a plus for the pitchers and their arms. Right, because you're going into the next series, which will be five games and no days off. So you've got to reset your pitchers and have them ready. Uh, I did see that it looks like uh, Blake Snell's probably going to start game one for the Rays. And Matt Shoemaker, former Angel, will be starting game one for the Blue Jays. And then I think they plan on throwing Ryu the second game versus glass now so some of the pitching matchups are already in some of them they're not sure but like you said this first three games you want to get through it quick get the first two and be ready to move on give your pitch you say your position players are going to play regularly it's not going to be much of a change it's going to be a difference so in those first two rounds actually even in the first three you want to get in and out you want to sweep or as minimum amount of games so that you can, you're pitching because there'll be no days off until the World Series as far as during the series. And with the Blue Jays, if you look at Ryu, he has carried that pitching staff and he pitched on Sunday. They did really well, but he did have some some fatigue, some arm fatigue. So will that play a role as they're moving forward for their championship prospects. And and the Blue Jays didn't, I mean, they're not, they're the eighth seed. They were 32 and 28. I think they still could, you know, they could always play, play spoiler, just depending on how some of these, these teams come out and how, I guess, 
how hungry they are. Yeah, that's going to be the key. How much they weigh. And, and when you're a lower seed, you got to come out immediately, smack them in the mouth and keep going. Like we were talking about, got to keep your foot on the pedal. No mercy. You got to go hard and fast against them and you have to take advantage of every single opportunity. So let's take a look real quick at how it actually ended up uh, in the National League. The Dodgers ended up with the uh, with the number one seed, as we expected. Atlanta, the number two seed, Chicago, the number three seed, San Diego, the four seed. So they will all be playing at home. Dodgers versus Milwaukee, Padres versus the Cardinals, Cubs versus Miami. And then Atlanta's playing Cincinnati, which was kind of the surprise team in all of this. So the others, we were pretty sure as time went on, how it was going to shake out. There were some moments. And in fact, uh, a couple of things did kind of like on the last day of the season, the Brewers ended up getting in there because the Giants couldn't win and hold on. They kind of collapsed there in the last couple of games. Uh, The Brewers, who we thought were out of it early on, showed up. But they're, they've got some issues. They've got some injuries there. Uh, what's his name? Corbin Burns. Is that it? No. Yeah. Yeah. Corbin Burns. That's it. I kept thinking Corbin Burnson. Right. From LA Law. The LA Law. Major. <laughs> and I think more because he was in Major League. The movie oh, right. Major League. So that was, I kept thinking about him. Arnie Becker was coming <laughs> to play, but he's out. So how will that affect the Brewers? Well, they because also they're much have, stronger with him. Right. And they also have Brett Anderson, who was slated to start, I think, game three. And he, too, is a question mark right now. Totally. One thing about uh, the Brewers I'm not looking forward to is close-ups of Craig Council's face. I <laughs> just don't want to go there. Yeah, the only matchup, I think, for the first game I've seen that's for sure, the two pitchers are, are for sure, is uh, Trevor Bauer and Max Fried in the Cincinnati Atlanta. And so Max Fried, who'd been kind of on the injured list more or less day to day, but having issues, comes back just in time to start game one. Trevor Bauer, of course, is a, but actually the battle of two Cy Young Award uh, candidates for this season. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a really good game. Uh, Max Fried had a, he kind of tweaked his ankle, didn't really sprain it, but you know, just rolled it uh, maybe, but back in time to start, hopefully he'll be able to go the distance for the Braves. The Braves have the offensive power. Of course, uh, Trevor Bauer, he's just nasty. And uh, I love the way he's been walking off the mound (laughs) lately. (laughs) He's been cocky, but he's earned his cockiness at this point. Yeah, right. And then the other thing about... The National League playoffs is, is that in the end, half of the eight seeds are all from the Central. Yeah, and that, you know, looking back when we were talking about the Central Division, we weren't expecting much from I think we the figured Central. one and two would go because that was already set, but they wouldn't get any extras. We figured maybe three from the West and three from the East. At one time, it was even four from the West. That's the other thing I wonder about this is that none of these teams have played each other this year. So it's going to be different than, oh, yeah, we saw them for four just a couple of weeks ago. It'll be a a different look. You're going to see pitchers you haven't seen 
at least this season. And that changes the dynamic. Will it just be easy because they haven't seen him? Because they're not as familiar. So with the Dodgers and the and the Brewers, if the Dodgers had played the Padres, or let's say the Giants had made it in, the Giants are very familiar with the Dodgers and have given the Dodgers problems this season. That'll be interesting to see how these games play out with teams that haven't seen each other all season long. All right, so let's take a look at the AL now and how that ended up. And just like the setup for the Dodgers going forward, with the exception of the World Series, the number one seed is already in San Diego. So you've got Tampa Bay versus Buffalo, the Blue Jays, and then Cleveland and the Yankees will be taking on each other. Cleveland moved up on that last day. It had been Minnesota, White Sox, Cleveland. And Cleveland had been hanging at third, and it kind of looked like that's where they were going to end up, so they were going to have a wild card. And it would either be Minnesota or Chicago swapping for one and two. Well, in the end, the White Sox lost on that last day to the Cubs. Minnesota lost to the Reds, but Minnesota ended up with the tiebreaker, so they got the division title. But the Indians won. They came back to beat the Pirates on that last day, and they leapfrogged the White Sox. So the White Sox moved down to the seven seed, and Cleveland was able to grab the four seed. So they get to play at home, and they're another team that's going to be uh, hard to beat with that pitching. Although they do have, I would say, the marquee pitching matchup for the American League. We talked Bauer versus Freed. I think this American League matchup is probably even better because you got Shane Bieber going against Garrett Cole to start off their playoffs between that the is marquee. And then uh, Minnesota is the number three seed. They'll be taking on the uh, the Asterix, who we'll talk about that later, how they ended up in there. But they grabbed the sixth spot as the worst record in the American League second placers. So they should have been a wild card versus and not been able to. They're not playing at home. But And then on that final weekend, another thing that happened was, was that the A's moved from the three slot to the two slot. And the Twins move down one. And the A's will be taking on the White Sox. I don't know if I'm the A's that I'm excited about that. but I, I wouldn't be. <laughs> I think if I'm the A's, I would have much rather taken on the Asterix than to take on the White Sox. The White Sox are going to be starting Lucas Giolito, who, got a, who had a great year, had a no-hitter. And then, of course, the home run kings of the American League, pretty much. Giolito, again, going into the final weekend, uh, he too was having some soreness, arm soreness. So that it's going to be, I mean, you know, you think about, uh, you know, you think 60 games and at the time it's like only 60 games when we're used to 162. But when you're pitching and you're pitching consistently, that's bound to happen when you get to September, even though they started in late July. Well, but you get so, those that you figure this would be 60 games from the beginning of April or the end of March. So it would have been about the end of May. You start seeing some of those little things for some players. Right. Little thing, and then they're out for a week or two and then they come back and they're fine. So we might be some of that. I think for a lot of players are just now getting in their groove. So I think we might see some of the best, postseason baseball we've ever seen just from the standpoint they're not as worn out as you know yeah 
Yeah, I think that's that is that's really true. We see that um, with the Dodgers, especially. Uh, we've talked about it. We'll talk about it here in a little bit. But how there are some players who start did not start off well, but now they're hitting that their stride. And luck for them, it's the right time to hit the stride. One of the matchups I we didn't mention it's the Asterix and the Twins, but the Twins have Kentamaeda going against Zach Greinke, so yes. that could be uh, another good matchup. That um, was a that was my when I looked at the matchups that uh, had been announced. That was my secondary. Bieber versus Cole is by far the best, but oh, yeah. based off of Maeda versus Grinky is big more, I think, because of Maeda. Grinky, we know who he is, but we also know that over the last few games, he's had some issues, but he can come out and be lights out and just stop the world. But Kinta has shown he can do that. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of, what is that Grinky you get on the mound? What's his mood? He's very moody. <laughs> so is he going to come out and be full, full force or is he going to want to go home? Uh, kind of Zach Grinky. <laughs> well, I'm fine if that's the Zach Grinky that shows up and the, <laughs> yeah. the asterisks, because really with their pitching staff, they've got a couple of young guys. Uh, what is it? Valdez who has shown pretty well. I saw him pitch, you know, a couple times against the angels and then he pitched against the Dodgers and pitched well. They're pitching is suspect. It does look like their offense is starting to pick up a little bit, but I'm happy if Minnesota just, you know, takes them out in two and we don't have to worry about them again for the rest yeah. of the. Yeah. I'm good with that too. It, one of the things too, when you look at the playoffs and you look at the final standings, you have a team like the uh, Brewers who, throughout the whole season were never above 500 and they week their way in. Uh, in fact, they ended up at 483 and also um, the Cardinals are in there, but they didn't play a full 60 games. So well, Trevor Bauer <laughs> tweeted about that. He was like, wait, how come they don't have to go play two more games? Which I get. They were going to be playing the Tigers. It had no bearing on the standings. Right. It wasn't going to change anything. If there was a chance them losing two to the Tigers would drop them out. And from their standpoint, Cincinnati moving up to the number two spot in the Central then that may have made a, a difference in who they played and where, and they still would have been on the road. So I don't think it really matters from that. But Trevor Bauer had a, a few questions that, and how come it is that home team families will be allowed to come watch the games, the playoff games, but visiting families won't. So he said, sorry, mom and dad, you're not good enough to come see uh, us pitch. Yeah, that, I I hadn't heard that until I saw his tweet. I thought it was that was uh, it's odd to me because I figured if they're all there, what's the big deal? You can be socially distanced in the stadium, and we had talked about that on one of our earlier episodes about having fans in the stadium. Be you know, before we really knew how the season was going to play out, depending on who the home team was, they would have more fans and then the away team would have less. So maybe they could do a lottery style for the away team's family. <laughs> a lot. Sorry, Trevor, your parents didn't win the lottery. 
They didn't get this scratch off. They didn't get to the, <laughs> but uh, this guy that's sitting on the end of the bench that never played during the season or hardly played during the season, his family made it in. Well then, but then that might put pressure on the manager to actually use, use right. that See, player. That, that's a whole. <laughs> so going oh, back now to we're what throwing you... into a lottery baseball instead right, of survivor now baseball. Whole, now we're opening up another can of worms here with this <laughs> as if this playoff thing isn't going to be hard enough overall. So the only two teams, we knew this could happen, but two teams, you mentioned Milwaukee, never had a winning record the whole season. They ended up at 29 and 31 because they surged late. And then the Asterisks, who did spend some time over 500, but ended up with a 29 and 31 record, make it in by virtue of the fact that they were second place in the, the West. It's going to be, some of these matchups are going to be great. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be weird, though, because with this first round, normally you play the first round with the wild card, and then you start after the wild cards are done, which is usually like the Tuesday or Wednesday in the week, and then the the playoffs start Wednesday, Thursday, and they go through the weekend. This coming weekend, there'll be no baseball. Yeah. So you'll be able to watch football, and uh, depending on what the schedule is for the Lakers and the Heat, get in uh, some NBA finals as well, if you're interested, or you can actually do some non-baseball activities. <laughs> read, a, read a book. <laughs> yeah. Which has been hard. I've been trying to read books, go outside. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that. That's, that's kind of sketchy. I'm, uh, I, I saw a cartoon where Charlie Brown and Snoopy are in bed and Charlie Brown says to Snoopy, I don't want to get out of bed. It's too peopley out there. <laughs> well, it's funny because uh, Planet Head, he was like, all right, baseball's over. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> it's still going. <laughs> yeah, baseball is far from over. It is far from over. It will be interesting to see when you have these teams, like we talked about, the Brewers, who didn't have a winning record this whole season, the asterisks, and where these teams all line up, match up. That's the other thing about this this World Series, this championship series, is and we how the team who does win it, will it be as big a deal as if, you know, they went through an entire 162 season? Because you are going to have these teams the Brewers or maybe the uh, Blue Jays that could come in and totally spoil everything for these, you know, uh, like Tampa Bay or the Dodgers who had the best record in uh, baseball. Which talking about the Dodgers, I was looking at run differentials and the Dodgers, let, let, let me, in fact, let me go back. Run differentials, you know, how many more runs they scored than another team. Atlanta and Tampa Bay, both division winners, their run differential was plus 60. So they outscored overall by 60 runs. The Padres were plus 84, so 24 more. The Dodgers' run differential was plus 136. So imagine this, they, you know, they were the home run champs of the National League. Imagine, though, coming in and... The Brewers, because they're on a tear, taking them out, and the Brewers had a, a, a negative run differential. Right. 
Yeah. It, this and it's is... all going to be, how do those, how do those pitchers? That's why we talked about all along here with the playoffs, pitching is going to be the key unless you're scoring 20 more than anybody else or what? 52 more than, than the next team, as far as that goes, right. but it only takes a bad game offensively. And no matter how good your pitchers, you might get beat one to nothing if your offense doesn't pick up. But if your pitching staff gives up a lot of runs and you can't make it up and it can happen, you can hit those little slumps. And with the way that this is set up, it, this is really, we talked about it before that it was supposed to be a sprint. And I said, I think it's more, it's more like survivor. I think I can update that, that the sprint was those 60 games, the playoffs with the way that they're set up and the no days off are going to test how great of a team you really have top to bottom. And it really will be, especially in these first couple of rounds, survivor baseball. It's time for Dodger baseball. Well, the Dodgers head into the playoffs. They had the best season record at 43 and 17. They're the only team to not lose at least 20 games. Only the Tampa Bay Rays were close. They're the only other team that won 40 games this season, but they lost 20. So the Dodgers, and we were just talking about their run differential. The Dodgers have been, and for those of us who watch them every day, and we've lamented about this at times. If you look at only their record and the run differential, you would think that they never had any problems. They never looked bad. That's not true. And sometimes they were deceptively good. They got a hit in the right place or one of their potential MVPs like Corey Seager or Mookie Betts came up strong. Will Smith came up a few times and they'd win it you know, towards the end and then blow somebody out, but they took them till they got to a bullpen. They had problems with certain starters. So there are issues we got to watch, but as, as a team goes, this is the team you want going into the playoffs. Oh yeah. Now with Dodger pitching, none of the starters have pitched full games and they haven't pitched a hundred pitches. Clayton Kershaw was the only pitcher who, I think it was against San Diego, who threw 99 pitches. That's it. And then when we look at the, uh, with the Dodgers, they played Oakland in this, the final week. And they won the series. But again, it all comes down to pitching and how the pitchers are going to be utilized. We did have... Another bullpen game. We've had several of those where one of the reasons in this series is Julio uh, Urias, when he comes out in the first inning, he gives up a lot of runs and then he settles down. So I think the strategy there was to bring in another pitcher. In this case, it was Joe Kelly. Didn't really work because he gave up three runs. But then Julio came in. And was good, you know. Right, he, six innings, he two hits, well. only gave up one run. That yeah. was the that was the second game of the series. Right, and and I think that's one thing. I have to say that during the regular season, overall, man, bullpen management wasn't bad. Yeah, 
it actually has gotten better. Doc has, I think, gotten better. And especially with these younger pitchers, you've got uh, Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, um, Julio. Even though Julio has been pitching, put him into that rookie category with Dustin and Tony, but he's giving them a longer leash when they're out on the mound. Whereas in previous seasons, as soon as they ran into trouble, it was to the bullpen, which then overtaxed the bullpen uh, because it was happening, you know, almost every game and or the pitch count. Uh, Dave Roberts is really big on the pitch count. So if, say, Tony Gonsolin, he got to 84 pitches, which kind of seemed to be where he was this season, then that was it. And then but with Tony Gonsolin, those 84 pitches was into the sixth or seventh inning. So yeah, with uh, Dave Roberts being able to give those uh, pitchers, especially those younger pitchers, that opportunity to get out of a jam, to see where they're going to be instead of just saying, okay, you know, let's put some bubble wrap on you send you to the dugout. We're going to get the, uh, the guys, the movers with bubble wrap you up, put you on a, on a dolly and cart you back Put you in one of those uh, space, you know how they always, when they're going off to Mars in the movies or <laughs> somewhere, they are all in these these chambers in deep oh, yeah. sleep. That's what <laughs> yeah. we're going to do with you to preserve you so you don't do anything stupid. <laughs> now, um, game one starter for the playoffs for the Dodgers pitched the last game versus uh, the A's. Mike Fires, one of my favorite Major League players, even Me though he's too. on the A's, is uh, simply because he was the informant. That's right. He had the guts to to say, hey, this is going on and it's not right. Yeah, uh, Walker Bueller actually pitched uh, that third game against Mike Fires, and it was really good to see uh, Bueller out there. He'd been on the IL with, uh, we call it Rich Hill disease with the blister. Which I but read he that l- he reached out to Rich Hill. Yes. To to get some advice about how to deal with the uh, the blister. And Rich Hill says, I, I don't have time for you. I'm in the playoffs too, man. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting remedies for blisters. Uh, one of the things I heard Oral Hershiser talk about is taking a file and which I can't even imagine, but filing the blister off it has to be in a certain direction. Uh, and just, yeah, other thing, I think I heard even say somebody said you can pee on it. I don't. <laughs> well, that's the, isn't that like the, the cure all for anything you get stung by a, by a jellyfish or a stingray yes. out on the beach, you you pee yeah. on it. I guess it could work. Uh, you know, I got a hang now. Eh, pee on it. <laughs> pee on it. Wait, yeah. my, I'm not. You know, I'm my stomach's a little upset. I'm not feeling really good. <laughs> eh, pee on it. You'll be all right. <laughs> but but Walker Bueller came back and uh, he was he looked really good. He's going to be the starting pitcher for the Dodgers against the Brewers. I think maybe some people saw that as surprise. I don't really see it as a surprise. Clayton Kershaw usually always, you know, he's always the the uh, opening day starter, and that people always assume, oh, you know, the Dodgers in the playoffs, he's going to be game one starter. But in this I, case, he's not. 
I think they're looking at it as it, uh, a two-game series. We throw Walker out there, and then we, we know what our bullpen's capable of. Then we throw Kirsch out there the second day, and we're done. I mean, yeah. that's what they hope. I'm, I, I know that they have more beyond that, but with their, that whole thing, smack them in the mouth, and while they're trying to figure out what just happened to them, run, run on by them. Yeah, sweep the leg. Pedal to the metal. <laughs> well, and Kershaw pitched sweep the first the game. <laughs> he pitched the first game against uh, A's, and he didn't look great. Was it against the A's or against the no. Angels? Bueller pitched the final game in the A's series. Another note I noticed, just as well as the A's, uh, Jesus Lazardo. He is he pitched in that game uh, in relief, and. I think he's going to actually start versus Giolito in the playoffs game one. So yeah, I did see that. And you saw that, I think, across the league before we get into the Dodgers Angels series that a lot of guys who probably would have made a start normally during the weekend, once they were in the playoffs, they didn't start them. They had them come in and pitch. So there were a lot of openers, I guess. And then they came in and pitched a couple of innings or more just to get a little work in. So they're not sitting for 10 days, let's say. Right. So, yeah. So now Kershaw, it was a, uh, you know, as far as the Angels and Dodgers concerned, a uh, premier pitching matchup. Andrew Haney, who had been pitching pretty well for the Angels, takes on Clayton Kershaw. And they had almost identical numbers. They both only pitched four innings. Both gave up eight hits. Haney gave up five runs. Kirsch only gave up four. Uh, Haney gave up three home runs, and Kirsch gave up two home runs. Yeah, not a great outing for Clayton. Uh, he even said in the post-game interview it wasn't good, but if he's going to have a bad game, let it be this game because then he can have a good game in the wild card series and going forward because that's the other thing with Clayton Kershaw. He's got that monkey on his back and it's brought up every time if you're listening to any type of baseball analysis it's always how is Kershaw going to get those demons um he's gonna uh, exercise those uh those demons that he has in the the playoffs and for this year I don't know if those demons will be there or if they ever really were there, because you have to think too, in 2017, was he a bad pitcher? Or, I mean, there were moments, sure, but can we really put that year into his? In some ways, yes. But, I mean, not he, he didn't have the same issues as, say, you Darvish did then. I think it affected him more. But I think the bigger issue with the, the playoffs and, and even with Kershaw pitching isn't that he's that bad because he wasn't overall. He had his moments, but that offensively he got no support, which he would normally get during the regular season. So he is a legend in the regular season, and he's a hero. I know we use GOAT to mean greatest of all time now. So yeah. he's the GOAT of the regular season, and then he's the GOAT in the negative sense in the playoffs is how it's always played out. Yeah. He's not that bad. And you have to look at all the factors. And if your team that normally bust out 10 runs a game 
is only scoring two runs a game, it puts more pressure on you, especially with the pressure that's already there in the playoffs, because you're you're focused on wanting to win that championship. Of course, this wasn't the case in that game. It almost was. The Angels started off hammering, and then they gave it up. Haney gave up those five runs. So at one point, you figure they were basically tied at a point. The Angels were actually up five to four at one point. And then the wheels fell off their bus. Gratterall came in, gave up the other run. Kershaw gave up four. Gratterall gave up the one in a home run. And then uh, McGee and Floro both threw perfect innings, and they were scoreless after after Gratterall. So five innings, and, yeah. uh, and they shut them down the rest of the way. Well, and it didn't hurt that JT came in and hit two home runs and... Right. He had the two home runs. Uh, his replacement, Edwin Rios, hit a home run. He was, uh, Edwin Rios hitting home runs. Yeah. Over, he's over got the a, two series there. Yeah. He's got a pretty swing. So, another pitcher that's going to figure heavy into the playoffs, uh, Tony Gonsolin, started game two. And he definitely has solidified his spot in the playoffs. I've been saying this for weeks now. I'm, Really, Tony Gonsolin is one of my favorites, and it was a catter day for Tony Gonsolin. And I don't know if you noticed, but after he would get a strikeout, they were doing like a meow after. And I thought at first, I was like, what the heck is that noise? And then I figured it out. I, I, didn't, so. I didn't notice that. I think probably because every time he got a strikeout, I was like, ah, come on, guys. Right. Yeah, you weren't listening. I, that game, there was a little bit of a scare for the Dodgers. Mookie got hit by Julio Tehran. Yes. First, first inning. First, first inning. at bat. And so in an abundance of caution, they pulled him out and moved people around. And he set that one out, which was probably fine. They didn't need him that game. Uh, as far as, I mean, they, they maybe they did. The Dodgers won seven to six. And Gonsolin gave up four runs in that one. Uh, your buddy, Alex Wood, gave up a couple of runs. He gave up the other two to make the six. In that game, though, what uh, one thing that stood out to me was Corey was 0 for 4. And that's a rarity. Yeah, he's had those moments where he just doesn't hit anything. And that was that game. So hopefully, like, you know, get it out of his system. And let him go. Uh, yeah, Alex Wood definitely is not made a case to be on the playoff roster. And he had a has a one-year deal with the Dodgers. I don't know that he will be with the Dodgers. I would be really surprised if he... Well, I can't say I'd be really surprised again. because... <laughs> the way the Dodgers work sometimes. Uh, but yeah, it... I would probably almost be somewhat a little bit disappointed if they pick him up because he just is, yeah, his everything, every time, you know, when he comes in, you know, he'll get a strikeout here or there, but he's given up the runs. And if he's coming out of the bullpen, you can't chance it and you can't say, okay, well, we're going to give him, we're going to give him a chance. Um, Dave Roberts is big on that. We saw him do that with uh, Gavin Lux and say, okay, you've got a runway to play. Show me. The one thing I have noticed with Dave Roberts, especially in this season, and I don't 
know if it's because it's a 60 game season, but you know, I talked about giving those pitchers more of the opportunity to get out of jams, but also these uh, other players that like Gavin Lux that just aren't hitting well opportunities to go in and play. He wasn't playing well defensively either. So he would be, he might be on the playoff roster as someone off the bench, but if he's not, it wouldn't surprise me. Another one is Jock Peterson, uh, Jocelyn. He's been going, he's just been had a rough season, had some he's got the family issues off the field. Yeah. Not After, quite. And, and the question has been what did happen because he had the birth of his child, which was a short thing. We've seen that a lot this season, a lot yeah. of players across MLB, but then all of a sudden, Nobody's talking about it. If anybody knows, they're not reporting it, which on one side of it, that's fine. He deserves his privacy. On the other side, you kind of wonder, though, because they're saying maybe he'll have to leave the team again. Yeah, it's for me because I have an inquiring mind and I just want to know and don't go to Twitter to figure it out because it'll make you more crazier. (laughs) But I mean, he too, he he does well in the postseason I know they want um, him to be there, but it could just be for the wild card ground, and then he might have to leave again. So we'll right. see what happens and with he, with Jocelyn. In the last two games of the series, he hit a home run in that game two. Game three, he along with the CT three and Kike were they provided the other half of the offense that day each of them with a hit and a run scored in that game. We'll talk about the the pitching because it was. A quasi bullpen game, but AJ Pollock, he provided half of it. He went three for three. Yep. Two home runs, three RBIs. Well, it's interesting that last game with the Angels, you had a bullpen pitcher play a play in a position player role, and that was Adam Kalarik, and he played right field for starting in the eighth inning. And, and one he, of but the- he didn't get to bat. Yeah. That's probably how that they worked it sad. out, but Yeah. Probably was part of the the whole the whole thing. Okay, you're gonna play. And he's played uh in the outfield and I think at second base, uh, when he was in college. He went to the University of Maryland, the Terrapins. But that you could see that going forward. That could be something that they're just using every option availability to get the job done and in this case you know position players can pitch right yeah maybe not well but (laughs) unless you're russell martin right and then the other thing in that game Corey, oh for four yeah and so back-to-back games of, of no hits which isn't a big deal based on his whole season he too is an mvp candidate Along mm-hmm. with Mookie. Yeah. One of the things, too, that, I've, that I'm liking and that I'm seeing is when Cody Bellinger was coming up, especially in the beginning of the season, and you could tell he was struggling. He was uh, working with his bat stance, trying to figure out something new, and that wasn't working. Now he's, you know, gone back like, you know, I don't need to do that. But he's he's hitting home runs. But he's also getting 
those hits, the, you know, a single, a double when the team needs it. But the biggest thing is he's being patient in the box. He'll take a 10 pitch walk or, you know, or more in some cases, and he's not trying to swing for the fences. So he's becoming more disciplined. So if he had to struggle at the beginning of the season, and I know all of the Dodger fans were lamenting about Cody and how it, this is just bad. If it's made him a more disciplined hitter, then going forward, I really think he can only just get better. Um, be maybe it also shows maturity too as he's playing more and also seeing that he doesn't have to. Well, a Cody home run is awesome. Getting that single, getting that base hit. Or a walk, in a lot of cases, is all he needs. Yeah, and really, when you look at the end result of the season and the struggles that he had, that Max had, I was interested to find out, like I said, he was on pace for his regular strikeouts for a season, that his hack rate of things that he's swinging at was actually down compared to previous seasons. So there were things in there that, on the surface, looked below average. But some of them were just regular average. And when you looked at it, when you look at the season as a whole piece of work, they made it past those things. The problem is, though, and here, maybe it's going to change. They struggled through the regular season and the playoffs will actually be where they excel. Or will it be same old, same old where people just fall apart? when it comes time to the playoffs. But for them, they're in a good spot because what if Max and Cody are both coming back up and Corey has a bad playoff? Right, yeah. The one guy I think that they need to make sure is consistent all the way across, or that they hope is, is A.J. Pollock because he's been the guy who's quietly contributed more than it the numbers would show. I don't know about you. I would say, and we'll, we'll talk more about this in a future episode. We'll wrap up the season but if there's one real big surprise based on what he's done previously, A.J. Pollock's one that, that I would put right there. All right, so let's look at, at the playoffs. They're going up against the Brewers. We know initially Walker Buehler's game one, Kershaw's game two as scheduled now. Do you see, based on the players that are on the roster, is there anybody that you don't see being carried over? Position player-wise, pitching-wise, I would think they're going to hold as many pitchers as they possibly can. The, yeah, I the only pitcher that I think in, is Alex Wood. I don't think he benefits from that doesn't benefit the Dodgers to have him in the bullpen. But Doc being Doc, he'll probably be there. But I I don't think he's earned that that spot. I know he had injuries, back injuries, which he had coming from when he was with the Reds. But I don't think he should be in the bullpen. But The rest of the bullpen all have earned a spot. I mean, you look at guys like Victor Gonzalez, who continues to come in. He, not flashy, comes in and just really is lights out, does a really good job. And, of course, Bruce Starr, Gratterall, a little more flash, but, again, just really a consistent bullpen. The only one... you throw 200 miles an hour, you can have a little (laughs) flash. Yeah, exactly. Again, when you think about the bullpen, you think about pitching, you got Kinley Jansen. He too has had some issues in the uh, championship, you know, in this postseason. 
Where is he going to be? He looked good coming in. I think he came in on Sunday. Uh, he looked good. And hopefully that continues. Hopefully there's a, a better mind, better mindset for him. I know he struggled with not having the fans there. But in this case, you're not just, you're playing for something. I mean, you were playing for something before, but now you're you're really playing for something. As far as uh, on the bench, the only one that I can really think that, and I just mentioned him, is Gavin Lux. He has glimpses, very short little windows, and then they close, and... He just doesn't need to be there. Not this time. He's going to be for the reasons we've talked about in the past, but also you don't know what the status with Jocelyn's going to be. Right. So you're going to keep him because there's not anybody else really that. Sure. I think Edwin Rios has finally showed up as uh, somebody they're going to want there. He got a chance to play quite a bit in this last series. They pulled Max out uh, a couple of times and they pulled JT out and he went in for JT. I don't see many changes. And I, I think Alex Wood probably is on there because I don't, there's nobody coming back off of the injured list and they're going to want as many pitchers and he has his moments. Right. Just like I think views Joe Kelly better than they had. They don't, they're not letting pitches long. So he doesn't have, and I've noticed that he's been throwing a lot of breaking stuff as opposed to fastballs and he's getting better. Yeah. Overall. Yeah. Before they kind of just gave him, you know, he was untethered. It's like, okay, we're going to let him go. And now they're actually using him as he should be used as a pitcher. I think think he would. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I mean, he would probably say the same thing. You know, this is when I need to be here and I shouldn't be in these situations. Yeah. I think uh, the roster that we've seen with the Dodgers is pretty much set. You know, if you were watching the, the last game, that's, that's, that's pretty much. And I know Gavin Lux will be there. As I said, he's going to be somebody that'll be able to come off the bench. Edwin Rios definitely will be there. Kike Hernandez and Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor can play anywhere and he's the real asset and, for and, and proven it. the Dodger. Oh yeah. Yep. Both defensively and offensively. Yeah, surprisingly, in that last game, he struck out three times. I know. Barry, Which, that was a surprise. That's why that, like the 0 for fours, and that surprised me because that's yes. not been their way. Before we move on to to the Angels side of the story, let's get your player of the week, the final one of the 2020 season. So this week, I went with AJ Pollock. Over the six game series, he was six for 21. Doesn't sound spectacular. He was 286 batting average, but he hit four home runs. He had five RBIs. He's tied with uh, Mookie Betts for the most home runs on the team at 16. He normally in a regular season hits 20, you know, 20, 21 home runs. So at this point he's hit 16. His slugging percentage is at 566. He's behind Corey Seager in that. And he's also third on the team with 34 RBIs, but he's coming up not with just those home runs, but coming up with walks when we need it. And also, you know, a single or double here, there and doing well in the field defensively too. So for me this week, AJ Pollock. Yeah. He's been very consistent. I considered AJ Pollock, but instead I went with Edwin Rios as my player of the week over six game span. And he's coming off the bench. 
Right. So that limited some. He went four for nine, so batted 444, scored three runs, hit three home runs, and drove in four runs. He slashed the 444. His on-base percentage was uh, 1.556, and then that led to a 2,000 OPS, which is on-base plus slugging. So he had he had a really good week. He showed overall that he could definitely help this team on to a COVID-19 championship. Yeah, that's a good pick. He really is uh, someone that you can put in there. Like you said, he came in off the bench multiple times in this series. And Earl Hershiser has now begun to call him Herman Rios as Babe Ruth was Herman. <laughs> well, I mean, the, those home runs, it seemed like every time he came up, he was hitting a home run. It didn't yep. really, when you think back about it, oh yeah, I remember. And he hit that home run. And didn't he hit the home run <laughs> in the Zinnings game back in uh, Houston? Yes, he did. The leadoff two-run home run? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So the Dodgers will, will fire up their playoff season starting on uh, Wednesday versus Milwaukee, all three games at Dodger Stadium. All right, so I had to get off the roller coaster. Things were going really good for the Angels towards the end of the season. In fact, over a 20-game span in September, the Angels had the best record in baseball. They had started to come on. All the complaints that Angels Nation had on Twitter and on the fan groups about Joe Madden doesn't know what he's doing. Billy Epler doesn't know what he's doing. And we talked about that uh, to some extent. With Joe Madden, it looks like by the end, we started to see what the plan was. Yeah, you saw the magic of Joe Madden. He was starting to kick a little butt, like I had been saying. No more of this, hey, buddy, let's do this. It's get out there and get this done. And towards the end of the season, when they saw that he saw and said, we still have a chance in the playoffs. He was setting Joe Adele. He was setting Shohei Otani. He was getting the best players out there who were having the best seasons at that point or were hitting better, whatever. He was putting his best foot forward. And going into the final weekend or this final week, they had to do a lot, but they had a chance. They needed not only to win out, they also needed the asterisks to lose out. And it was all possible because that first series with San Diego. They only won two series this year. We know that they didn't win any games versus the Dodgers because we just talked about that. But they beat the Asterix 6-4, to which played into them still being in the uh, because that meant they held the tiebreaker. And then the Padres, they split a season early on. And then the Angels go to San Diego and Griffin Canning in game one comes out throws six innings, two hits, one run, strikes out 10. Yeah, career high for him. Oh, yeah, and it was a four-hitter total. The bullpen came in, did a great job, and they take out the Padres 4-2. to two. Max Stassi, his first ever four-for-four four night, hit two home runs, drove in three RBIs. He has proven... Even though there's talk that they might go after like somebody like JT Real Muto or another bigger name catcher, another more solid catcher, I think Max Stassi made a case to be the everyday catcher. Even Anthony Bimboom came in, who played the next night, has been playing pretty well overall and is pretty quick with the throwdown to second. So that's going to be a question. Do you go after when you have two, I say, 
potentially above average catchers do you go after somebody else that's a question for another day but max stassi great matt walsh once again one for four so he's contributing taylor ward another one who was last week's player of the week two for four and rin hifo two for three with two doubles so a lot of contributions there i'm not sure i think davies and lamet for the padres we'll see probably both of them pitch in the playoffs those are the two guys that are probably their aces and they probably share that. Uh, Chris Paddock had been. Davies is like 130 pounds soaking wet, I think. And uh, he looks like <laughs> he looks like he should be pitching for some little league team from wherever he's from. He doesn't look like he's old enough to be in the majors, but he pitches well. He's definitely going to play a part in the um, in the playoffs. Yeah, your favorite Trent Grisham scored two runs because he got walked three times. Yeah. No hits. So they win that one, four to two. Of course, they have to win them all. So the next game, they come in. We send Jaime Berea to the mound. He only goes two innings, three hits, two runs. One of those was a home run. And Joe Madden asked after the game, why did you pull him? Because it didn't seem like he was doing that badly. He says, I could already see where we were going. And Joe showed a strength managing in the playoff. He took the Tampa Bay Rays. He won a World Series with the Cubs. He sees those things. It's uh, he's got his magic eye, or his third <laughs> eye, or 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 the or the crystal ball, or maybe he's just consulting his mood ring and his magic eight ball. But you you started to see what he could do with this team. Yeah, before when you know he was playing Joe Adele, or he was you know letting some of these guys in the uh, starting pitching go longer than what they probably should have. I think it was just for him to get a feel of who these players were, are because they had the short spring training. They had a summer warm up. You don't really get, and then some of the guys like Julio Turan, he missed uh, that. And then, so you're going off of his previous work and that obviously did not show up this season. So yeah, in the final weeks of this uh, season, you really did see why Joe Madden is one of the best managers in baseball. Right. And so he, he really put it together. You started seeing it come together in this game. So when he pulls Berea, he brings in Patrick Sandoval, who having pitched last year and this year had never gotten a major league win. He pitched really well overall, gave up two hits in three innings, struck out five and picked up his very first win as the Angels sweep the Padres and win the series three games to one. Fletch, again, uh, I think he's probably the team most valuable player. Walsh, though, 0 for 5. And in the past, you'd say, oh, okay, standard for these guys. Now you're like, what? What's <laughs> yeah, happening? And he he's only done everything that he's done in the month of September. It's not like he played the whole season and he had those numbers. That would have been spectacular. David Fletcher has this great story where he wanted to play for the Angels growing up and he's playing for the Angels. And well, he's a he's hometown, making, he's a hometown kid. Yeah. He and he's making the most of it. Orange, which is a town that is adjacent to Anaheim and close to the uh, the stadium the big a he went to school there and now i mean that's cool shohei played that game and home run two rbis jay up another home run on the season and then anthony bim boom hit a home run as well went two for four so all of that was great on the angel side the 
Padres, Mike Clevenger left after the first inning having an issue. Yeah, it, it's not his elbow, but he did have forearm soreness. They did an MRI. Looks like he'll be back able to pitch. Will he pitch in the wild card? Well, wait to see. But I know they definitely want him going into the next rounds. But also Lamette had some issues, um, some soreness. And so he will be in the playoffs uh, pitching, but you saw, you know, Clevenger, the celebrated pitcher there. It's like, oh, the Padres got Clevenger. Well, everybody thought you would say that he was probably the biggest pickup of the trade season. Yeah, but Clevenger does have injury issues. Uh, We saw that earlier in spring training. He had a knee issue. Now he's got this uh, forearm issue. So that will remain to be seen how he figures into the Padres start. You know, will he be in the starting rotation? All right. So we know that the Angels come out of this set with the Padres still with a chance to win or to, to go to the playoffs. They need the Rangers to shut down the Astros. The magic number for the Astros was two games. The Astros beat the Rangers the first game out. So it put a lot of pressure on the Angels going into L.A. for the final series. And they came out strong versus the Dodgers. Like I said, we talked about in Dodgers that Andrew Haney came out, pitched okay. Bedrosian and Buttry had perfect innings in the game. However, they, they couldn't put it together. And that was, that was in after beating the Padres to help the Dodgers clinch the NL West and home field through the World Series, the Dodgers weren't willing to pay back the favor and help the Angels out to stop both everybody's nemesis, the asterisks. I think the Dodger fans were at least I was okay with the Dodgers well, I not saw winning a lot of, a this lot of series. people on Twitter <laughs> and Facebook all saying that I'm okay if you Dodgers, I'm okay. If you lay down and let this go, they weren't going to do that. No, and really, they had their foot on the pedal the whole time because they they didn't play guys who weren't getting any play time. They weren't trying Alex Wood out for a whole game. They continued on because they're going to the playoffs and they need to keep everybody in sync. Yeah, that momentum going forward is so important. And so and I would, you know, even the Dodgers. If they knew the situation, I would bet that some of the guys on the team were probably, you know, think, well, you know, maybe we just lose this one. That's not their mindset. But if it means the asterisks aren't in the playoff, I think everybody's good with that. Yeah. So the Angels came out strong, hit a lot of home runs at the beginning. Jared Walsh, Mike Trout, three run home run, uh, Rindo two for four, Jay up. Uh, Justin Upton with another home run. So they came out there strong, but they just couldn't hold on. Uh, Haney gave up those five runs. He wasn't in a position to win it, but the Angels were in a position to win it. And then they just fell apart. And with that, honestly, I almost didn't watch the rest of the series because that was kind of the, the, the balloon deflated. And while the Angels were losing, the Rangers beat the Astros. Yeah, that was and, and the hardest Spoiler part. alert. Spoiler alert. The Rangers did their job. Yes. They beat the Asterix the last three games of that four-game set. Had the Angels won out against the Dodgers, the Angels, we'd be talking about them in the playoffs right now. Right. So in that first game, two, 
Um, the one thing that kept me going with all this was, was that I needed to watch, but I noticed that something kind of cool was about to happen. And even though the Angels were out of the playoffs, something else kind of fun to watch did happen. And that happened in game two. Actually, it started at the end of game one when Luis Renjifo pulled a hamstring and was replaced late in the game. It was like in the seventh inning, replaced by Elliot Soto. And we'll talk more about him and his story in just a second. We'll talk about game two. Julio Tehran wasn't scheduled to pitch. Here's one thing that the Dodgers didn't have to deal with in any of the six games. They never had to face Dylan Bundy, who was the Angels' ace. And he was scheduled to pitch the second game of the series, but because they were out of it, they sat Trout, Rendon, Pujols, Bondi, and Canning didn't end up pitching either. So they they threw out Julio Tehran, only pitched the inning, gave up two hits, three runs. Hansel Robles, who was lights out as a closer last year, blew the save because there was a chance. It was only, it was seven to six. It didn't matter. The only thing that mattered as far as a win in this game was just not getting swept and to at least won one game in there, which is redundant, what I just said. However, um, you know, Fletch, again, three for five, a, a triple for Jared Walsh and a two for four, five uh, game. Adele, who ended up playing and going into play his natural position of center field. Uh, and I got some things to say about him before we leave today. But he was two for four. But here's the thing. We had two guys who had never started. Both had played in a major league game, but they'd never started. One was Jam Jones or Jamai Jones, who's one of our top uh, prospects. My only issue with him is his hair. Wait, you don't you you have a problem with his I, hair, I but you like Uriel's with- hair? But yeah, I do. Or Guriel's hair. <laughs> yeah, if you saw if you've seen his hair and look at Guriel's hair, there's differences. But I like Jemai Jones. He I seems too, like and a I great think his guy. Hair is better. But I there's some about the way that his hair is that just kind of <laughs> drove me up a wall. Okay. And then the other guy is Elliot Soto, who made his first start. So here's where the game is exciting to that point. It's close. But the fun part was Jemai Jones, or Jam Jones as, as they call him, and Elliot Soto are hitting eighth and ninth. And back to back, they both get their very first, in their very first at bats, they get their very first hits. The other rookie playing this year, Joe Adele, took him 18 at bats to get his first hit. These guys did it in their first. Now, Jam Jones, he's a rookie at that level of Joe Adele. He's just coming up. He's a younger kid. Elliot Soto is the story. Yeah, he really is. 10 years in the minor league. And he finally gets his chance. And you watched him buck a Loved him. Yeah, because he's there was great. a smile on his face. He played. There was joy. He was so happy to be there. And then to think about it, think about you come up to get play your first game, Dodger Stadium, one yeah. of the iconic stadiums. It would be like playing in Wrigley or Fenway to start. You're not playing in Tampa Bay for your very first game, Dodger Stadium. He was just the smile on his face. He got two hits that night. He was fun to watch. Went two for three. Jam Jones got his first hit scored two runs and his first RBI. I would say too, that when these guys got their first hit and hearing, you know, the story where, especially Elliot Soto, where he's been 10 years in the minors, a lot of guys would have just hung it up. They would have, but he persevered. Like you said, made his first, made the first start in Dodger stadium. Even the Dodgers were cheering for him when he got that first hit. Well, uh, did you see, I think, it, I don't think it was Elliot, it was uh, Jam Jones. He was at first base. He's all smiles and happy. Yes. And Cody asked him, 
was that your first hit? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And Cody was like, here, give me the ball. So, and he, or he had gotten the ball and he taught, yes. made sure he tossed it the right guy because he understood that too. He remembers it's not been that long ago for, right. for Cody. So that was really cool. We'll talk a little bit more about him in a minute. Uh, next day, Elliot didn't get any hits. Jam did. Went two for three. Shohei came in, got a hit. Once again, tough day. Patrick Sandoval, who looked so good in San Diego, had looked good in a couple others. In fact, that he had shaved his beard off. And the first time they showed him, I was like, who's that? And then they moved out and I saw his number. I was like, oh, that's Patrick Sandoval. He looks and different. Yeah, he did. He looked a lot different. He didn't look great. Gave up three runs over two and a two thirds, three walks and a home run. What was good in the game? Luke Bard, Cam Bedrosian, and Jacob Barnes gave up uh, three hits between the three of them and gave up no runs. They waited till Hobie Milner came in, who had his moments during the season. And the one thing that stuck with me, he's the guy that gave up the grand slam in Zinnings in Oakland on the first game. And it always stuck with me also season because whenever he had a jam or was in a jam that that was a problem so overall they 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 got blank that day jam jones like i said he had a good day uh, nothing for soto shohei was all right it was a tough game and as we get now that the season's over for the angels and there's no playoffs i know that joe madden was leaving so they played sunday he was going to leave monday to head back to his house in pennsylvania get in the motor home and his summer home and head back to his permanent address and start working because the big news that came out, like I think the third out had barely been recorded. I think the ball was barely in Cody's mitt or who was at first base was Cody. Uh, That's right. Kike had come in and it was barely in his mitt. And they said the final score and they said, Billy Epler has been fired. Yeah. All in that same sentence. They didn't waste any time. Billy from hearing uh, in the post game had called Joe Madden the night before. He knew the night before. The weird thing is, is that I don't think that he ever got a, a real good shot at building the team. He did what he could dealing with a meddlesome owner. Artie Marino is by far the issue. I'm not saying that Epler probably didn't make a bad move here or there, but his moves, you could see what he was trying to do. And sometimes they just don't work out. I think Julio Tehran in a regular season would have worked out better. But he gets heaped on with Trevor Cahill and Matt Harvey from last year that didn't do anything good. So that was kind of a, an odd moment that it happened so quick, but it wasn't surprising. A lot of people are saying Dave Dombrowski might be his replacement. I'm not sure that's going to work because Dombrowski has been Detroit Boston, Montreal, and built great teams. He's going to want the autonomy to do it. I don't know that Artie Marino is the guy to let him do it. Well, but maybe he'll come in and just set Artie straight and say, listen, you're the owner and this is my job. This is what I do for a living. You pay and I get the guys that are going to win the playoffs. Maybe he needs somebody to just tell him, you know, listen, I get you're the owner, but, you know, tell me in this situation, who are you going to get? I don't know that it would work because I think Artie Marino probably wouldn't put up. I don't probably just fire him. (laughs) Right. I don't think it works simply because of the Peterson stripling deal. Yeah. He got tired of waiting on something that it didn't matter whether or not he waited an extra week. And I believe that it, it did cost him. I, I don't know that Ross Stripling wouldn't have still had the issues that he ended up with, but he still would have been a good number two to Dylan Bundy. Yeah. Yeah. It could have uh, worked out a lot better for probably both of the guys. 
I mean, even Jocelyn is, he's a fixture, you know, with the Dodgers, but he would have had everyday playing time. And he would have stayed uh, in the general area. He wouldn't have had to yes, move. He wouldn't right. have had to uproot his family to do anything like Stripling ended up having to do. Right. And yeah. That's there's no guarantee that Jocelyn will be back next year. No. So so the Angels have a lot of decisions what they're going to pursue if they're going to hit try to hit the trade market. We know they need pitching, but right now we got to get a GM and the GM and Joe Madden kind of get there. Joe Madden is one of those guys who goes, "Hey, I'm the manager. I manage what I'm given." But I'm yeah. sure he's going to want to want to be in sync with them to have a, at least an idea. Well, um, and it's interesting for the Angels going forward. They really need to focus on pitching, but for the Mariners, their GM, he's looking at pitching. So you're going to have, former, it's going to former Angel GM. <laughs> That's right. So now you've got the two teams in the West and both of them had an opportunity to, you know, make the playoffs. They had that late surge and now they could be both going for the same pitchers. Oh, no, no doubt. The part that's going to be interesting to see how things play out is Shohei Otani came to the Angels because of Billy Up. He had met him when Billy was with the Yankees and he was comfortable with him and he came there. Mike Trout said he really likes Billy Epler, likes working with him. Now Billy's gone. Joe Madden was another one who really sang Billy's praises. Now he's gone. These guys are all pros. Shohei's the one that I wonder what will happen with more than Mike Trout. Because Mike Trout signed there, but Mike Trout could find his way out if he wanted to be difficult about it. Yeah. And Joe Madden could just retire. But I think Joe Madden's there to bring a, a championship or get at least to the World Series with this team and have success year after year because this is his this was his dream job. Yeah, and I think for me, looking at the Angels, especially in those stretch where they went, I think they went 14 and 8, they looked really good, and you could see this team going forward. Obviously, looking at starting rotation and how that fits in and getting new pitching, but you really could see the Angels could be a force next season, but it all depends on what the owner allows well even with and the what pitching, he wants even with the pitching you were seeing improvement because all of a sudden we had three pitchers that dylan bundy was the most consistent he had a couple of bad outings andrew haney was coming around right and having more and griffin canning as well so who knows what a whole season could have been for these guys so there there are positives that we can look at you know going forward uh, before we get to player of the week a couple other notes david fletcher led MLB led baseball in singles with 50 of them on the season. I said I was going to bring up Joe Adele. I will in just a second. Jared Walsh, rookie of the month for September. And then another guy that I had issues with out of the bullpen, but was much better than I gave him credit for was the reliever of the month for September in Mike Myers. Yeah. Which normally when I hear Mike Myers, I think Halloween. Halloween. That's right. I do too. And he kind of turned into that kind of a monster that he could, you know, he was mowing people down. I do have a a question. You haven't mentioned him yet. Andrelton Simmons. I, 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 I I didn't want to like completely bring it up because it's still, I'm, I'm worried about this. And part of me wanted to to bring it up in the future. We'll do a, a wrap up for the season, but Andrelton Simmons 
decided after the last homestand to opt out of the final five games of the season. And in the statement that he put out, it sounded like he may be done as an angel. And he said he wanted to play there. Joe Madden wants him to be there. Mike Trout has stated that he'd love for him to come back and other players. I think Anthony Rendon even said, I love playing with him. I think David Fletcher, who will probably take over for him, is the one that probably wants him to be there the most because I think Fletch plays better when he's moving around a little bit. Yeah. So I don't know what to do with that news and where it's well, going to go. Right. The Now, because you have Billy Epler is gone, where does that leave Angleton Simmons? It, he could, you know, very well, he could come back. I don't know. Um, he's a, is he a free agent. After the so season, we may have seen so. the last of him in Angels, but maybe not. But the, And then the other thing is, is it was probably more likely that Billy Epler would have chased him down. Who's to say that another GM, whoever, whether it be Dave Dombrowski or someone else, will chase after him because he's, what, 31? He's had ankle issues, but he played really well. He came back from this ankle issue and took him a couple of games to get back in, and then he did very well. So there, there's that. I wanted to, to stick to all the, the final notes here about stuff. And it's not that I forgot. I just, I, I'm not, I'm not ready to fully, uh, I'm in mourning about Andrelton. Well, but yeah, but we just, we just don't know what's going to happen. And uh, no, so it, we, it's we still don't, a possibility. Like I and said, that, that going, last message. Yeah. The last message was it didn't seem very positive, but we don't know. But also with Andrelton Simmons uh, opting out, Elliot Soto was able to uh, get yeah, in the game. Yeah, they were able to bring him up and, and have a feel-good story. Yeah, I mean, there's... But Elliot Soto, unless something changes, is probably going to go back to the minors next year. And, and Jam Jones, too, are probably going to go back to the minors, depending on who they get. And if Simultons come, yeah, if Simultons, if uh, that's his first and his last name together. I like if, it. Uh, if Simba comes back, they're not going to be up there. I don't see those guys coming. I so, can see another player that could be back in the minor league. Yeah, he's the guy that would play in uh, center field the last couple of games. And I yeah. wanted to bring him up. And I guess I'm here, I'm talking about going negative, but Joe Adele played 38 games this season. He struck out. 55 times. Mike Trout played 53 games and struck out 56 times. Only one more, and he played quite a few more games. But in comparison, and I looked at it in age and in number of games, nobody that played 38 games struck out more than Joe Adele. Vladdy Jr. played all 60 games, only struck out 38 times. He and Joe are both 21. Now, I know that Vladdy came up last year, and Vladdy is some kind of a phenom, but... (laughs) You know, I it just it even Albert Pujols, who played one more game in the season, played 39 games to Joe's 38, only struck out 25 times, which was something AP strikes out a lot. But in this case, he had a lot of ground ball and it didn't matter because we forgot about all of his outs because he's number five on the home run list. So that was another positive this season. You got to see Albert hit a lot of milestones. You got to see Dylan Bundy show to be the pitcher that he was. We'll talk about all of that stuff in a wrap-up for the season after the playoffs are all done. So no more Angels talk after... 
today for the next few weeks just because they're not in the playoffs. So let's get to the player of the week for this final week of the 2020 season. Who did you have? I went with Max Dassey, and I finally said his uh, last name right. Sassy Stassy. You You don't know how many times I, uh, I just, I just held back. I know. I realized it. And then I'm like, wait a minute. It's Sassy Stassy platooning with Anthony uh, Bim Boom, but good defensive catcher and offensively two home runs, three RBIs, getting a single, getting a double. I liked what I saw and I thought he was uh, deserving of the player of the week for the Angels. Because I think that the Angels don't need to go after JT Riamuto, um, who has injury issues. They don't need him. They've got two really good catchers and focus on something else. Don't mess with the catching. Yeah, we need a right fielder and pitching. Yeah. Not in that order. You know, it's interesting before we go, because Max Stassi and Jason Castro were kind of platooning the catcher spot. That was one thing that Joe Madden was was good with, was alternating his catchers out. You never really saw catchers go more than a day or two without a break. So he kept them fresh. And Max Stassi, from the beginning of the season, was doing really well. All three of the players that were traded at the trade deadline are in the playoffs. Jason Castro with the Padres. Bry. Brian Goodwin with yep. the Reds and Tommy Listella with the A's. Oh, right. Tommy Listella. So forget him. He, so they all went to the playoffs. So they can all thank Billy Epler for at least trading in the teams that were in a better situation. Right. <laughs> Max Stassi's your player of the week. Max Stassi was on my radar as well, especially after that four for four game. I think I had overlooked him a couple of times where he may have been the player of the week candidate in the past. And I think too, because of his injury time, that was a little bit of an issue, but I thought about him. I thought about Mike Myers, but I went a completely different direction. And I, because there's no playoffs, because this was the last week, I decided to give the player of the week to two players. And it's only based on two games. I'm giving the player of the week to Elliot Soto and to Jam Jones. I like it. Both of them had, you figure, that in the, in the three games that Elliot Soto played, two for six, batted 333, had a double, scored two runs. He was, uh, like I said, drafted out of high school in 2007, went to Creighton, and was drafted again in 2010 by the Cubs. 20 years later, September 25th, 2020, he's in the bigs. And then Jam Jones, three for seven, batted 429, one RBI. So they get it. They both played pretty well in the field. And that'll wrap up the Angels season. Like I said, we'll do a full wrap up after the playoffs are all over for both the Dodgers and the Angels. All right, it's time for the final stroll around the league for the 2020 season and as always we'll start off in the east and really the teams that made the playoffs that's easy we've talked about them a lot one player that we're both very familiar with and was on a team that i think was if not the first team eliminated the second team the boston red sox who at one point we actually considered to be a team that would be in the playoff mix or we thought would be up there yeah they were in my first. <laughs> yeah, they were in my first picks for the playoffs. My initial picks, right? Yeah, and I was so wrong, but 
Alex Verdugo <laughs> was a highlight for Boston this season. He was so right. He was. He was right. He ended up with a 308 batting average. He had six home runs, 15 RBIs, 367 on base percentage, 478 slugging, and an 844 OPS. Not, you know, anything that he's going to win awards, but for him to go into Boston and play well, especially because we don't know where Jackie Bradley Jr. will be. No. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen with uh, with that team. That's going to be a team I think that gets shaken up. And I kind of beg to differ with you about uh, awards. Okay. Because Ron Rinicky, who, by the way, is not returning next season, and apparently the odds-on favorite to replace him is a guy named Alex Cora. Yeah. Uh, we'll just Which leave that doesn't sit there sit right now. with me, but yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Ron Rinicky said that... Alex Verdugo was the clear MVP for the Red Sox this season. And Mass Live, a website that talks about the sports up in that area, they named him the team MVP as well as the defensive player of the year. Nice. Uh, he and Jackie Bradley Jr. were kind of neck and neck, but they gave it to him. So, see, it may not have been league-wide awards, but, but on his own team, he showed up quite a bit on the highlight reel, diving catches. You'd see that he got a hit here or there. He wasn't the guy with the walk-off all the time. He wasn't a main player. Jackie Bradley Jr., Xander Bogarts, a lot of times they would get those things. Former Dodger doing good there. Sure, he's not Mookie Betts, but he's trying to make them forget. And he's wearing Manny's number, Manny <laughs> Ramirez's number. There and in uh, you know, when uh, Boston got Verdugo, I remember the Red Sox fans were like, ah, Alex Verdugo, who's this kid? And how wrong they were. Because we oh, knew. Yeah. We knew. We knew that and... they were going to have some. And, you know, the only thing that we could do was uh, step back and look. If he'd be one of those guys that kind of pouted about having to go somewhere else. And he didn't. He's like, hey, I'm here to play baseball. Let's. Yeah. Let's and he, he stepped in and did a really good job and he i he's going to have a big role in Boston just because there's a lot um up in the air for the Red Sox. Another team to watch next year. I I I wouldn't be surprised if the Red Sox have issues again next year because you don't know the details of what's going on. They got rid of Mitch Moreland who's doing well in San Diego. The other team that I think we got to watch out of the East will be the Orioles. They had some guys kind of stepping up. Santander was uh, was one guy that uh, really stepped up. And there were others that showed that they really can put a team together. I think they get Chris Davis out of the mix. I think they're a team that are, are showing up. They're going to be maybe Mariners-like next yeah. season. So, all right. Uh, over in the NL East, Freddie Freeman. I don't know that he's a lock for the MVP, but when I looked at it, there's a lot of players out there who could be potential MVPs. Mookie. Corey Seager's been mentioned. I don't see Corey getting there, and no. we could talk about that later as to why. But with Freddie's, he's hitting well. He's clutch. He's been playing a great uh, first base. He's good all the way around. And he was the player of the month for September. Not that that makes him a shoe in, but it's just showing what he's been doing for the Braves. And he hit his yeah, first Grand Slam this year. That's right. And he's one of those guys that, you know, we know who Freddie Freeman is, but we watch and look across, you know, all the games. But a lot of people probably don't realize how good 
Freddie is um, as a first baseman and then also offensively in Atlanta. There's probably a statue of him, but he really outside of Atlanta, he probably been like, yeah, okay, Freddie Freeman. All right. But yeah, this year he's really come on like gangbusters and this year, but you look at previous years too, not too, you know, it's not shabby, but he's, yeah, he's really making a name for himself. That's for sure. Another guy who's making a name for himself, not that he didn't already have one in St. Louis and then came to the Braves in the off season is Marcel Ozuna. This week, uh, player of the week for the NL. Uh, Over the week, he hit 500, three home runs, eight RBIs. He ended up leading the NL with 18 home runs, 56 RBIs. So he topped out on that. And he also makes, along with Freddie Freeman, makes the Braves a, a tough team to face offensively with Albies and, of course, Ronald Acuna uh, Jr. The problem they're going to have is pitching. Yeah. They've got injury issues. You figure Cole Hamels, who was one guy who was supposed to come in and be kind of that consistent veteran, was on the injured list, comes off the injured list, and goes right back on it. He was uh, aspiring to be Aaron Judge, apparently. But at least he played one game before he went back on, went out to pitch. And so they're going to have issues you know, in the playoffs, uh, and we'll see what happens after the first round. They do, of course, have the second seed, and we'll get to play games at home. I do want to mention the Miami Marlins. They're in the playoffs, and of course, you know, with their, they're playing the Cubs, and they were kind of the COVID villains this year, but making it into hodgepodging players in there. But Starling Marte, a player that they picked up, and he was almost hit in the head by a pitch. I believe it was on Sunday. And he luckily he wasn't hit. What happened is the catcher came up, was really good, and it knocked his helmet off. But in the process, he got a left ear contusion so how that will affect him being in the lineup is uh, yet to be seen going forward if he's not in the lineup for the marlins that's gonna be a huge hole in their oh absolutely and also when you talk about the marlins they lost one of their pitchers urania got a line drive off of his arm fractured his arm so he's out. And that's two things. This is a team that had not been to the playoffs in 17 years. I mean, they overcame the whole COVID mess at the beginning. There's yep. talks that Don Mattingly may be the manager of the year based on what happened with the Marlins, even though his lack of, of institutional control at the beginning may have led to that. He's like the reliever that comes in and gives up runs so that it's tied. And then the next inning the team scores. So he not only blows the save, but he gets the win. Right. He That's blew perfect. it at the beginning, but now he's going to get the win. Yeah. And we'll I think that the okay. fact that they're playing the Cubs works out for them with these issues because the Cubs are not as strong as you would think they would. They do have Chris Bryant is, has been heating up again, but he had been a problem. They're not a team that's always on it. They've been an up and down team. And that's why it took them till right at the end and some help to clinch the central. Yeah, they they should have. We were waiting. Like, when are they gonna when are they gonna clinch the central? And it was right up until the end. Yeah, the Cubs are gonna be a team that'll be interesting to watch because you do have you know Chris Bryant is hitting. I think Javi Baez is getting back in there. They're also kind of an angry team. I think uh, they know that they 
they should have clinched a long time ago. They know maybe they should have a better record. And so anytime you talk to these guys, uh, Anthony Rizzo, uh, Chris Bryant, uh, Javi Baez, especially Chris Bryant, though, I mean, they come out and they're like, I don't care what anybody says, you know. So if they come out with that same fire, I guess they could have. Well, a- you know, and at one point they were the number one seed. Yeah, ahead of the that's Dodgers. true. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about the Central, Milwaukee has had, you know, they had two different games where they had football-like scores. And then they were a part of another part of history where the Cubs no-hit them. Yeah. And then they did the one thing that, that only happened once this season. And it was an interesting play in the way that it happened because it doesn't always happen this way. This should be. It was textbook. But they had a triple play on the last game of the season. Yeah, you just never hear of triple plays. Very rare. And for the Brewers to do it, the team that hasn't been, you know, at 500, still isn't at 500 going into the playoffs. And then they have this cool triple play. You know, the the playoffs would be the only place that they'd have to be over 500 to make it all the way through. Yeah. That's that it. would be, I, that would probably be a first to finish under 500 and then win a World Series or yeah. even the National League Championship, maybe right. even to win any playoff series. Yeah, they did that uh, triple play against the Cardinals. Uh, and I, the part of it was and a lot of times you see a triple play. It's a line drive, maybe to, you know, second baseman, shortstop, something like that. They tap on second. They're able to to triple off, as it were, the player that didn't get back to first in time. This, they were lucky it was Yadi Molina, who can't run very well. <laughs> really, when you, you look at it, that's yeah. what really helped. Because if it had yep. been somebody faster, they would have made it. Line shot down to the third baseman and then around the horn. Yep. Third to second to first. And Yadi was still halfway to first when it got there. So either he didn't run it, run it out full speed because you would have thought he could have beat that, but he just ran slow and they were able to get the triple play, but it looked, it was pretty. Yeah. It looked it was, nice. It, it was if you really like cool. double plays, that triple play was one better. It was, yeah. it was, it was pretty. One of the interesting things too, is you had the Cardinals and Brewers playing against each other, both celebrating on the field afterwards. Right. Cause they both made the, playoff. the playoffs don't they were both nice in front of their dugouts. That. It was funny. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. So uh, closing up the central player of the week for the American league is uh, at Alberto Mondesi, Raul Mondesi, former Dodgers son picked up the player of the week honors, six fifteen batting average over the week, six fifty five on base percentage, five stolen bases, scored 10 runs. And he led major league baseball this year with 24 stolen bases. Wow. He picked that up. And then while he's picking up accolades in his early career, one of his teammates is ending theirs. After 14 years with the Royals, Alex Gordon announced he's retiring. Yeah, he's a seven-time Gold Glove winner, left fielder, but decided. Three-time All-Star. Yep. He's decided it's time to go home, spend some time with the family. Hang out with the kids. Led Major League Baseball in doubles in 2012 with 51. Two World Series for him with one title. Grabbed that in 2015. 190 career home runs, 1,643 hits, 257 career batting average, and 749 RBIs. So happy retirement to Alex Gordon. 
All right, let's take a, a final look at the West. You know, not a lot to say about uh, the Rockies or the Diamondback. The Rockies had that chance. Charlie Blackman didn't get near 500. No. Didn't finish at the top of, of anything. In fact, we didn't talk about this, but DJ LeMay, who became one of the only players to win the batting title in both the American and the national and he won that with the Rockies Charlie didn't even wasn't even in the top five I don't think so it kind of fell apart but so did their team they had a lot yeah, of they, issues they came out like gangbusters really looked like they were going to be the team to be in the west and yeah you're right they just fell apart and I still do not understand why DJ LeMayhew is not a Rocky <laughs> I, that just why they let him go. I mean, they've got some, they've got good players. A lot of them I have had the opportunity to see here in the minors with the isotope, but that one still is a head scratcher for me. But yeah, the Rockies, not where uh, they had hoped they would end up. D-backs, I think, are about where they thought they'd be. Maybe they thought they were, yeah. but actually, actually, at one point, they were considered a playoff team, maybe towards the beginning of the season. Saw them play some good games. I think that uh, Cole Calhoun settled in nicely there and may very well become Mr. D-back in the future as he goes. He's never going to be Mr. Angel because of the no. uh, Mike Trout kind of under you know overshadowing him. But he's not a great hitter overall. But when he does, uh, he goes through streaks. He's a streaky hitter. So let's wrap up with a team we love to hate. <laughs> But I think we actually found some moments with the Giants that we were okay with. Johnny Cueto, just watching him pitch and some of the stuff he did and the character he is. Panda, when he was there, almost taking out Chris Taylor. So glad he didn't. It would have been devastating. <laughs> and in keeping with our Alex theme today, we talked about Alex Verdugo. We talked about Alex Gordon. Let's give a little love to Alex Dickerson especially since he was falsely accused of being COVID positive. Yeah, had a lot of negativity his way, but he was very careful, had been very careful because his wife was pregnant, went on paternity leave, came off paternity leave, and he had dad power. He was really solid throughout the whole season, but when he came yeah. back, you're right. He was one of those players that had that. 52 games for Alex Dickerson this year, 45 for 151, bringing him to a 298 batting average. And his fielding percentage was uh, was pretty nice, 985 overall. Now, my favorite player for the Giants, and I think you agreed with this, first Honduran player ever, in Major League Baseball, Mauricio Dubon, four home runs on the season, hit 274, which is solid, 19 RBIs, an infectious smile, happy to be out there. And he played three different positions. He has a fielding percentage of 947. And when you look at a fielding percentage, it's putouts plus assists divided by putouts plus assists plus errors. You think about the different positions that he played, three different positions. He had one error this season. One, that's really saying something in for the Giants, a really, uh, you know, a bright spot. You've got Yastrzemski, who leads the club in all of these different categories. But then you have uh, Dubon, who loves to be out there and is doing a good job. Center field, second base, shortstop. Those were the three positions he played this year, and he played them well. You know, obviously, it's only his first year. But if he continues to have that same attitude in that, and he gets to play with like Yastrzemski, who's another guy who's younger and uh, and trying to build up. And the Giants have had a lot of success over the years. They need to reinforce some places. 
but they're not that far away from at least competing more. And maybe in the future, especially if they hold on to these expanded playoffs, being the third team out of the West, because I don't see the Padres falling off as the future goes. And since uh, Trevor Rosenthal, who was traded over to the Padres from the Royals, he's constantly posting about how great San Diego is. I know he loves it. And if they're doing really well, the only thing that I had against him that I had a problem with is he asked if Mexican food in California was like Tex-Mex. And at that point I wanted him to be shipped out because no, (laughs) it's not Tex-Mex. It's authentic Mexican food. If you go to Mexico, you might find places in San Diego or in Southern California that have better Mexican food than they have in Mexico. Well, then he would just be really confused if he ever came to New Mexico, because then you have new Mexican food and it is not Texas. You know what? All you got to do is have some green chilies and you're good. What are you putting on your Captain Crunch? Some green chilies. I'm from New Mexico. That's it. That's all you need. All right, a couple of final notes about the Giants. Jeff Samarja. He had been out, was uh, dealing with uh, shoulder issues, had been on the injury list. They activated him and released him pretty much all on the same day. He does want to come back and pitch somewhere. He hasn't been bad, you know, but I don't know. No, we'll but you see kind of where forgot he about might him. land. Yeah, this season definitely, and even last season, you just um, he, like I said, he'd been da- he's been battling with those uh, shoulder issues. I think he had surgery uh, last season. So yeah, almost like what happened to him? You know, oh, when you look oh at yeah. The schedule for a day, and you see the pitching matchups. There's sometimes like when you see Bieber's going to pitch. You may, I'm going to try to check that game out if it, if it's possible or Kershaw or, you know, some of the different players, some of the different pitchers you think, oh, I want to go see this guy pitch. He stopped being one of those guys. Right. He's, he's not in that category anymore. So a hundred pence, he's retired, left on his scooter into the sunset, but was in McCovey Cove on Sunday, rooting the giants on to, uh, try to get into the playoffs but it didn't work so hunter and his hair are gone he didn't he didn't help on the field he didn't help off the field but uh, congrats to him on the retirement and on a on a great career he was a fun guy to watch even if you hated the giants there were he was a character yep And that'll do it for this week's Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. Remember, you can find us on our website, SiblingRivalryBB.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at SiblingRivalryBB. We're also on Twitter at SiblingRivalryBB without the A. Email us, show at SiblingRivalryBB.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to our podcast. Next week on Sibling Rivalry Baseball, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. We'll see how the wild cards played out. I'm better at the knowing when to walk away and when to run part. Does that make me the coward of the county? Yeah!